My guest today runs London's largest independent property consultancy called Black Brick. Camilla Dell founded the company in 2007 after she cut her teeth on London's renowned estate agents, Foxton and Knight Frank. She soon saw a gap in the market to become a trusted advisor and provide independent advice and help to people that are looking to buy. Starting with a two-person team from her house, she has grown the company to a considerable size and is proud to have secured and acquired in excess of £1 billion of residential property for private clients. Camilla is a mum of two daughters and lives in northwest London with her husband and children. She's a firm believer that having the right values in life is just as important, if not more so, than having millions in the bank. It's lovely to have you with us today, Camilla. Welcome to our Modern Woman podcast. Thanks, Rosie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for asking me to, to be part of it. Happy to be here. You're welcome. So let's sort of start off and tell us how you actually got into the property industry. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's um, journey is different in terms of how you end up where you are. I think, um, like a lot of young people, I, I went to university and I did a degree in something that I was interested in, which was marine biology. Um, but, you know, after I graduated, really, really didn't know what I was going to do, to be honest with you. But I started working for Foxton's was really my first job in the industry. And, um, you know, Foxton sometimes, um, you know, uh, gets a bad rap. Um, but I have to say it was a brilliant place to train. Um, it's really where I cut my teeth and, and, and learned a lot and met a lot of great people. Um, and I was there for a good five years. Um, and then I left and I worked for Knight Frank. And I was at Knight Frank for less than a year before I then left and set up Blackbrick. And that was in January 2007. So um, we'll be celebrating our 15 year anniversary at Blackbrick in, in January next year, please God. So, um, so yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Um, and, um, and yeah, I've never really looked back since, since setting the business up all those years ago. Amazing. So you mentioned you studied marine biology at university. What what direction did you think your career was going to head into? Well, I mean, obviously, I sort of toyed with kind of doing a master's degree and being a scientist. Um, but I think ultimately, I I love people. I love sales. Um, I like the buzz of doing deals and making money. And that's probably not best suited to, to being a scientist, really. So um so so yes I think that's you know it was a great degree to have and it taught me a lot of really good skills that I still use to this day like you know how to do statistics and work a spreadsheet and, and lots of great things but I think ultimately um being a scientist wasn't I wasn't destined for that in my life <laughs> obviously not um so I read that obviously your your father passed when you you were quite young he was only nine years old um but you also mentioned that in a in a way that you felt that he has influenced your career I mean how did you deal with that as you were growing up and how would you say that his background which was in property has influenced yours today yeah I mean look it's very difficult losing a parent at the age of nine you know um uh, but I think, you know, a lot of people that have had hard times, um, you know, sometimes some of the most successful people because they take their hardships and, you know, and, and use them to become better people, um, more resilient people. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't think my father really influenced my career because I just think nine is too young to really appreciate what your parents do um, and to have any real understanding of it. But I do 
look back on my life now and think, well, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so maybe, you know, in some weird mystical way, um, you know, my 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 path was aligned to to his. It's mm, nice anyway. to think anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to your first song choice, which is Pure Shores with um, All Saints. Tell us about this song. Yeah, so I think this probably goes back to my, you know, my, my marine biology and, you know, loving the sea. And I'm also, you know, I'm a qualified scuba diving instructor. So I just love that song um, for, for those reasons. Um, and it's a great movie, uh, The Beach. And I actually, um, back in the day, managed to gate crash the after party. Um, of the beach um, in London. So I kind of saw Leonardo DiCaprio and all the stars. So, and it was also a song that I listened to when I was auditioning to go on to The Apprentice um, to kind of like rev myself up for the interview process. So it's a song um, that has a lot of history for me and um, that I will listen to when I'm kind of wanting inspiration and to feel good and, and pumped up to do a pitch or something, I'll, I'll listen to that. was pure shores by all saints it's so true that you put that song down it really it even takes me back that's for sure yeah, yeah. um so you mentioned about applying to go on to the apprentice um yeah. but i know that you didn't quite make it but tell us what what was the experience like yeah i mean i applied um many many years ago um so i applied for series two so so back then i think the show was quite different i'd like to think you know they were choosing people um, who, you know, were gen genuinely talented business people rather than people that would just make good telly. Um, so I was inspired by that. You know, at the time I was working for Foxton's and, um, you know, going on The Apprentice and, and being part of that would have been a massive step up for me at the time. I think going through that whole process was, was an amazing experience. I mean, no doubt. I mean, I think in series two, I think they interviewed something like 75,000 people. So to make it down to the final few, um, you know, was I felt really proud of myself and it gave me a bit of a boost. Um, and no, I didn't end up making it onto the programme, but, you know, I did then catch the attention of everybody at Foxton's, including the then owner of the company, a man called John Hunt. Um, you know, and I think they then saw me in a different light in a good way. I got promoted. Uh, everybody wanted to talk to me about the process and what it was like. You know, it was a big it was a big deal back in those days. Mm, yeah, I can imagine. So you work for two of London's largest and successful estate agents, which, as we mentioned in the intro, is Knight Frank and Foxton's. What would you say you learned from those companies and those experiences before starting your own business? Yeah, I mean, I think Foxton's is just a brilliant, brilliant training ground. You know, back then it was London's leading estate agent. I mean, it truly was leading the way in terms of technology, the way the offices look, their training program. Um, I mean, it's no coincidence when you look today at the leaders um, in the real estate industry in London, a lot of those leaders have come out of Foxton's from my era. Um, so I think, you know, all those years ago, it was the place to be. It taught me so much about the industry and discipline and time management and just how to be a great salesperson. Um, so it was just a brilliant, 
you know, brilliant five years of my life. I think Knight Frank um, was just a really, really, really different um, business altogether. I mean, complete chalk and cheese to Foxton's. It was a real culture shock going there. Um, but, you know, if I'm honest, by the time I went to Knight Frank, I had already drawn up the business plan in my mind for Black Brick. And in a way, I went there to test drive my plan. Um, and within less than a year, I realised that people were coming to me for advice on uh, purchasing property in London, not because I worked for Knight Frank, but because it was me. And that then gave me the confidence to leave um, and set up Black Brick. Mm. So tell us, what is Black Brick and share with us the services that you offer? Yeah, so Blackbrick is is a buying agency predominantly. Um, We look after and advise private clients who are looking to purchase residential property in central London. Um, And we look after um, clients uh, with budgets starting from about half a million pounds upwards. Um, And coverage wise, we help clients right the way across London and the home counties. So that's how the business started, very much a buying agency. But over the last 14 and a half, 15 years almost, you know, we have expanded our services. So we do do a lot more than just buying property these days. We have a, an in-house, very active property management side to the business. Uh, we have a vacant care service whereby we look after our clients' homes for them when they're not living in them. We have a rental search service. Um, And we have a managed sales service. So we do a bit of selling these days as well. So we've kind of evolved from a pure buying agency to a more holistic property offering. Um, But everything that we do is very bespoke. We're low volume. We're all about high quality service um, and looking after clients um, in the best possible way. So how have you grown a business? I mean, I know when you started, um, I believe you had a business partner. Have you still with the same business partner now? No, I mean, I think, you know, um, when you speak to a lot of entrepreneurs, I think they'll tell you one of the hardest things to get right with a business once it's successful and it starts to grow is recruitment. So, you know, in the early days, a lot of mistakes were made. But I'm delighted to say now we've got a very, very solid, very stable team. Um, I have a business partner, not the same one that I started with, but Casper has been with the firm for uh, 11 years um and you know he's very much my right hand man and with him you know we've created a really solid fantastic team of people around us mm. and how would you say obviously the industry is very competitive property consulting can be competitive how have you ensured that black Bricks stands out amongst its competitors I think by um, just constantly looking and evolving and seeing where the gaps are and looking at ways in which we can help our clients. Um, You know, we were the first agency to coin the term manage sale. It had never been heard of. I mean, there's a few people that have copied it now. But, um, you know, I'm always looking for things that I can do, how I can help my clients. Um, You know, we're the only firm out there to have a vacant care service and property management in-house as a buying agency. No one else does that. So uh, I think really it's about looking to see uh, new ways in which you can help your clients with things. And that will always mean that you stay ahead of the competition if you've got that firmly in focus. Mm, I agree. And what challenges would you say you've experienced along the way and how have you overcome those? I think knowing what works and what doesn't work, you know, recruitment obviously is a is a big thing if you're trying to grow a business. Um, you know, that's a hard thing to get right. And a lot of it is trial and error. Um, and, uh, you know, really the only thing to learn from that is, you know, you've got to try things and if they don't work, you've got to be brave to let them go and, and, and try different approaches. Um, so I think, yeah, one of probably the most challenging things is, 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 is recruitment, but 
like I say, I think it's um it's an area that we've done well in now and we've got a really solid team. Yeah, it can take some time, that's for sure. And I can imagine in your industry, it's, it's people are at the heart of your services, would you say? Yes, absolutely. It's a people business. It's a relationship business. Um, and it's it's really important. Mm. Let's, so let's move on to your second song choice, uh, which is also one of my favourites, Purple Rain by Prince. Um, tell us how this resonates with you. Yeah, so I think this, you know, this goes back to when I was, you know, 10, 11 years old. Um, I think Prince was one of the first ever concerts I went to and I just absolutely thought he was the most amazing musician. Um, you know, he could play almost every single instrument and he was just um, fantastic on stage and I loved the music and I loved the soul and the funk uh, side to what he does. Um, I love the movie and I just, I love this song. It's just beautiful and uh, and just a brilliant song that reminds me of my whole childhood growing up. And that was Purple Rain by Prince. So let's move on to sort of more current times, which obviously, you know, we've all experienced this pandemic. Um, how would you say the market has changed during this time? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been really fascinating to see what's happened in the property market over the last 12 months or so. Um, I think when we had our first lockdown and we weren't able to do any business, um, we were all very nervous. No, Really, nobody knew what was going to happen. And then the market reopened in May last year. And boy, oh boy, you know, we were just run off our feet. I think people wanted to make lifestyle changes, moves, bigger properties with gardens, working from home, educating children from home led to a lot of movement, a lot of people making changes to how they lived and where they lived. Um, so it's been an incredibly busy, very, very active 12 months that I don't think any of us could ever have anticipated. Mm. That's really good to hear. I mean, I know there was talk about um, whether we go into a deep recession um, and also there might be a slump with the property market. What are your thoughts and opinions around that? Do you think that the market is going to stay quite buoyant as it is going forward? Yeah, I mean, obviously the market's had a boost from government incentives like the stamp duty holiday. Um, that's now come to an end. It's tapering off. I think the market will continue to be fairly buoyant. I don't think it will be as buoyant as it has been because obviously the stamp duty relief is, is tapering off, as I mentioned. But I think there was just so much pent up demand even before the pandemic. A lot of people had put off their buying decisions because of Brexit and political uncertainty. And people were just starting to feel positive about buying again right before the pandemic hit. So I think a lot of what we're seeing now is, um, you know, partly moves due to, to, to COVID, but also a lot of pent up demand that's been building for the last few years. Mm, that's a good point. And so as an industry itself, what would you say is the most lucrative to build a career? Like, What, what advice would you give others of a particular property sector to get into? Look, I mean, I think... Um, I think it really depends. I think residential, commercial, I think they're all potentially great, great career paths. Um, 
I think, you know, my best advice for anyone thinking about getting into the industry is don't run before you can walk. You know, one of my early bosses told me that life is a marathon, not a sprint, Camilla. And I think, you know, I speak to a lot of young people that just immediately want to be a buying agent without any real experience under their belt. And I think, you know, it's really important to take your time and learn your trade because it's only by doing that can you start to see where the opportunities are, where the gaps are, how you can uh, fulfill, um, uh, you know, potential opportunities, you know, whether that's working for someone else or doing your own thing. Um, I also think what's interesting in the future for sort of anyone, young people listening to this podcast is, you know, looking at um, environmental issues. I mean, I think that's going to be the next big issue going forwards once we've got the pandemic out of the way. You know, climate change is a really uh, important um, issue facing us over the next few years and looking at how buildings can be greener, residential uh, buildings can be greener and and, and looking at ways of, of, of to work within that sort of an industry, I think, could be extremely valuable and, and lucrative going forwards. Mm, absolutely. Do you think, I mean, there's been a lot of talk and there are a lot of discussions around sustainability in the industry, but do you think we're just at the very beginning beginning of it I think we're right at the beginning of it I think the residential market's got a long way to do to go to be honest with you the commercial market you know is taking it a bit more seriously because I think they have to um, but I think the residential market has a long 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 way to go and I think you know real estate sector in general creates a lot of carbon so you know we've got to start looking at ways in which we can be uh, greener as an as an industry yeah so as a seasoned sales professional can you share with us say three tips that you use when it comes to sort of closing the deals yeah I mean I think three tips my top tips for people looking to buy and putting in offers would be you know be organized you know make sure that you've got I like to say your ducks lined up in a row so things like having your solicitor in place your finance in place uh, knowing what, what survey you're going to use, really important. So when you put your offer forward, you come across like a very credible, serious buyer. So, you know, having everything um, lined up and ready to go, I think is really important. Um, I think my next tip would be, you know, if you're buying a home, focus on that. I think too many people often get sidetracked about the investment angle. I think if you're buying a home, the most important thing is is this the right property for you and your family? Are you going to be able to live there for at least the, ne- the next 10 years? Because don't forget, you know, the costs of buying these days have gone up, stamp duty rates, etc. Um, so, you know, don't lose sight of that fact. Um, and I think my third tip would be never, ever, ever forget that the estate agent is working for the seller. Um, so just always remember that because I think it can be easy sometimes as a buyer to, to, to feel like the agent is on your side, but the agent is not working for you. They are very much working for the seller. And if you want some impartial advice, then absolutely use a buying agent. Let's move on to your third song choice, which is Guns and Roses with Paradise City. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so that's just um, rock and roll. I mean, that just reminds me of my days on the sales floor at Foxton's. It was crazy days and they would play this song in the morning when we'd all be coming into work. And, you know, there'd be a big light in the middle of the room flashing when the song came up and a huge sweet bowl. And if you'd done a deal, you kind of the lights would go off and the song would play and you'd go grab a handful of sweets. And, you know, it just reminds me of those crazy, crazy early days working at Foxton's. Take me down to the paradise city where the grass is 
and that was Paradise City by Guns N' Roses. So I just want to ask, I mean, obviously you, you was there for five years at Foxlands and you said it was really good training. Um, from a sales perspective, I mean, share with us sort of uh, what what did you learn there to in terms of the tools to, to run your own business? Um, yeah I mean I think I don't think working for another company necessarily teaches you how to run your own business um but I think you know certainly working at Foxton's was just a really good training ground it taught me discipline um you know it taught me how to be methodical it taught me how to um just be a better salesperson because they're obviously you know well back then they were extremely aggressive sales focused firm and you know you can learn a lot and improve your skills by working for the best in the business and I think back in those days they were certainly a force to be reckoned with so it was great to have had that experience of course and do you think that it's as aggressive as it was back then no I think it's changed and that's you probably heard that in my language I've been using you know it's changed you know it's no it's it it went from a a business that was owned by an entrepreneur um, and a private company to a PLC and when that happens you know things change um, so it's it's not it's not it's not the same way it was uh, when I was there. Of course and would you say being a woman in the industry has its advantages? Yeah I think it definitely does because you know I mean unfortunately we're still in the minority um, you know particularly when you look at um senior roles you know particularly in firms like Knight Frank and Savills when you look at you know top tier you know partnership roles in those firms hardly any are taken by women and I think that's a great shame but look I never found that being a woman held me back in any way shape or form um in fact in many ways it, it kind of um prompted me to you know go into the industry it was a point of difference and I think a lot of people really like having a female advisor um and um it, it it's a point of difference but I, I would like to see a more balanced uh world going forward not just in terms of gender but also diversity I think the real estate industry is also a very male white uh place of work which isn't which isn't healthy or representative of the world we live in either yeah and how do you think that we can encourage more women into senior roles within the industry it needs to come from the top, doesn't it? You know, um, I mean, I think these firms are very aware of it these days and and, and they're trying to, you know, try, trying to recruit accordingly. But it's um, it's a difficult one because it's been that way for so, so, so long. Mm. Yes, it has. So you're married with two daughters and tell us, how do you manage family life and running a business? Um, yeah, it's well, it's definitely been easier in the pandemic. Working from home has meant that I've had lots and lots of time with the family, which has been amazing. Um, but look, you know, uh, you can't do it without a good team around you. And that team includes my husband and my nanny that's been with us since my daughters were born, pretty much. So, you know, I've got a great support network in place. And, you know, I couldn't do what I do without that. Mm. And what would you say you're passionate about? I'm passionate about my business. Um, I'm uh, passionate about um, also helping others these days. I, 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 you know, I do a lot of work for charity. Um, so, yeah, I think those two things are kind of keep me grounded. And just a couple more questions before we finish up. What does success look like to you? I think success is, you know, building something which has longevity. I think something I'm really proud of is, you know, 
Black Brick is going to be 15 years old in January. I remember when I left Foxton's and I said to my then boss that I was thinking of kind of setting up and doing my own thing. Um, they said the statistic of businesses that fail within the first four months or six months is like 80% or something. Um, you know, so I think looking back now, you know, having had Black Brick for 15 years and not, you know, and not just survived, but thrived, um, I'm, I'm immensely proud of that. You know, I've taken the business through the toughest, toughest markets from, you know, the financial crisis of 2008, you know, through a big, massive tax changes when we thought the world was going to collapse, um, you know, through to a pandemic. And, and despite all of those challenges, you know, the business has continued to, to, to thrive and do really well. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. So I think, yeah, that, that looks like success to me. Yeah, that's good. You've got a lot to be proud of. I mean, it's for any business, it's hard to navigate through recessions and this pandemic, which none of us could have foreseen, that's for sure. Um, so the last question, in your opinion, what would you say is a modern woman? I think a modern woman, apologies, there's my dog in the background. Um, <laughs> I think a modern woman is, gosh, there's so many different interpretations of it, isn't there? But I just think it's great to be able to have a successful career and family and, and do it all. I think um, it's a real shame that sometimes people view still, sadly, that getting married and having kids kind of means the end of a career. And it shouldn't mean that. And I think, um, you know, if you can be an entrepreneur and set up your own business and have the best of both worlds, that's, um, you know, that that's what everybody should do if they can. Yeah, I totally agree. So it's been a pleasure having a chat with you. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Camilla, before we finish up the podcast and you get back to the kids and family life <laughs> I don't think so I think my dog my dog is now crying for my attention so we're going to be <laughs> dogged out on the uh, on the on the podcast but no I mean it's um you know thank you so much uh, for having me and I think um you know your magazine is is it's great to see magazines focused on uh, the modern woman um and promoting um you know successful females um i'm all for that and thank you for reaching out to me and inviting me on your podcast you're welcome and that was camilla dell from black brick okay so just stop this